Hello, you're listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. We are a general interest independent bookstore located in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. This year, because of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had to close our store and cancel in-person events. But Skylight is your neighborhood bookstore, and we are finding ways to create community even while we're far apart. In the coming weeks, we'll be putting out lots of new audio content to help you discover new books, connect with authors, and check in with your favorite booksellers. To learn more about how you can help keep Skylight alive, please visit our website at skylightbooks.com or check out our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to the Skylit Podcast. Um, it's always nice to, so nice to have our guests with us. Um, my name is Agnes. I work at Skylight Books in Los Angeles. We're a neighborhood bookstore in Los Feliz. We've been around about 25 years. Um, and today, we are super excited to have Stephanie LaCava with us, um, talking about her book, The Super Rationals, um, in conversation with Sasha Sagan. Um, the Super Rationals is an erotic and darkly comic novel about female friendship set at the intersection between counterculture and the multi-million dollar art industry. Uh, Christopher Bolin has said that Lakava's exploration of the cracks and fault lines in human identity is so sharp, it nearly bleeds. He says it's a spell of a book, so cool and knowing on the surface, it delves deep into our own silences, ellipses, and self-illusions. Um, it's such a treat to have Stephanie with us. Stephanie is a writer based in New York City. Her work has appeared in Harper's Magazine, Art Forum, Textes or Kunst, the New York Times, the New York Review of Books, Vogue and Interview. Um, it's also a treat to have with us Sasha Sagan, um, a native of Ithaca, New York and graduate of NYU. She has worked as a writer, television producer, filmmaker and editor in New York City, Boston and London. Her essays and interviews on death, history, travel and ritual through a scientific lens have appeared in New York Magazine, Oh, the Oprah Magazine, Literary Hub, Mashable.com and elsewhere. She's also a contributing editor for the British fashion magazine, The Violet Book. Um, it's a treat to have you both with us. And I'm gonna turn it over to you, um, Stephanie, to hear just a little bit from the book. Okay, thank you guys so much. I'm gonna read, um, the book is separated into points of view and I'm gonna read the first one from the main character and the narrator, Mathilde St. Evans. Um, and it also has a timestamp of a, uh, February 2007 in New York. So we're dealing with a very different world at this moment. Um, and I guess I'm gonna start there. This was on Sasha's recommendation. So here we go. Gretchen listened for hours to the details of my last breakup, patient as I asked over and over what she thought went wrong. Usually by the time we passed the 20 minute mark, she would light a joint, but she always stayed long after the drugs were gone. You have to accept that he's gone. He's not coming back. She waited a beat to seem self less self-involved. Can I show you a letter that I wrote to Christopher? Okay, but he's treated you like garbage. You two haven't slept together in months and still this psychodrama. And here's the letter. Dear Christopher, I love you because of your argument for your art and in spite of it. You tell me that all these high rolling men and their numbers and charts are one day away from disaster and that stories are a commodity that man has never, will never be able to live without. It's an honest living, becoming more difficult to execute in an honest fashion. I must remind you, there are wars being fought over resources like coal or oil, 
you can't clothe or feed a nation with stories. Love, Gretchen. I burst out laughing. That's fucked up, Gretchen said. It's hilarious. I think he'll think it's brilliant. Uh, I don't know. Matilda, come on, you're not a writer. You don't know. It's unclear whether Christopher is one either. Just because your mother was some legendary editor, you think you know about writers and words. That's not it. In fairness, you do plan on doing the same thing, spending your life working with old white, white men obsessed with mark making. I don't know what, what I want to spend my life doing. The good news is it won't be Jonathan. That's callous. A few hours earlier, I'd received a call from the woman who lived next to the house where I grew up outside the city. She'd seen a man drop a garbage bag on the doorstep. I asked her if she would mind checking its contents. She phoned me back and listed a number of pieces of clothing, a stuffed donkey, books, a laptop, a disman, and an old pack of birth control. Everything I'd left behind at my ex Jonathan's place. Imagine this, Gretchen started, trying to make me laugh. Jonathan sitting in his house in Greenwich in a few years. His wife is wearing bubblegum pearl earrings. He's reminiscing about his glory days playing lacrosse and listening to Jay-Z and Cypress Hill. He calls you up, but you don't answer because you're busy and have an awesome life. He leaves a message. Sorry for leaving your stuff at your door. Funny. You know he did it to maximize his eventual payoff. You were too free-spirited, too much of a wild card to continue to invest. He'd had to get out before you did. You and your behavioral economics. You and your tendency to be unreasonable most of the time. It was all part of another of the frequent, strangely mature comedic lectures Gretchen liked to deliver. She majored in philosophy, thought maybe she'd be a philosopher and devote her inheritance to spread awareness of other philosophers. This plan was short-lived when she decided to drop out, but not before she bulldozed through her share of thinkers and assorted acolytes. Psychoanalysis was her latest obsession. She had a photographic memory and could read three books in one evening. As a teenager, boarding school had been too easy for her. Instead of going to class, she would stay in her room and make art until Coke got in the way. I, on the other hand, was too careful, had always been. Worried I was destined for an accident, an explosion, a misstep. The problem with keeping straight when you're young is you inevitably need to feel that fill that void of experience. It's only a matter of when. All right, I think I'm gonna stop there. <laughs> So good. I'm so happy you invited me to do this. Um, congratulations, first of all. Um, it's so it's it's such an amazingly transportive book. And especially right now where we're mostly all stuck in our homes and not traveling. And it's like this jet set world of like you know, where you're like running into people that you know, and you're in all these great cities. And it was like, so, it felt like taking a vacation, reading or a series of vacations, it being swept up in this world. And so I want to start by sort of talking about like writing this from this perspective where, you know, it takes place in four or five different cities and like how you, you know, it's so cinematic. You feel like you're in all these great cities. And I'm just curious, like when you're writing it and you're picturing these settings and this world, you know, is it from a really visual point of view or is it really sort of woven into um, the character's uh, stories that, that you get these great cities almost as characters themselves? It's funny that you say that because I mean, a couple different things. One, before we started, um, we were just saying like, I have an incredible amount of wanderlust. I think it's from having grown up as like a third culture kid. You know, I grew up overseas and moved around a lot. And so I'm sort of always 
imagining myself somewhere else. I mean, maybe that's also, you know, there's another definition for that, like depression. <laughs> but um, there are other um, ways of looking at it, I guess. And um, I, you know, and I sort of like get by by looking forward to traveling or going places. I really don't feel, I'm not the kind of person who feels the need to like sort of even have like a, a home base necessarily or which has made this time also very interesting for me and very challenging as for everyone. Um, because, you know, I'm, I'm not really a home person. I'm kind of just like a wanderer. Um, but yeah, it's funny that you say that because I mean, I wanted it to be cinematic and a lot of it is like outside in the visuals you see sort of so that you end up there. Um, and it's also funny that you mentioned the traveling because a lot of people have been mentioning that lately sort of because it is like a before the fall book um, to borrow from someone else, you know, it was before every, before we couldn't travel before, you know, it just seems so unbelievable now that you would just get on a plane, go somewhere, go somewhere else for no apparent reason. Right. And then, yeah. just, and then also it's true, like in this, like sort of, I mean, I'll try not to, I'll do my best not to curse. Um, this one <laughs> <this laughs> that we, um, that we, um, that we're, you know, we we are in and we were in it was sort of like you would go places just to be with the same people in these industries that we work in right like to be fair like you know you'd go to an art fair and it'd be all the same people but just you had gotten on a plane to go there and sort of like you know shake up the atmosphere and I mean it's just kind of a funny concept if you step back and think about it too yeah. it's like people who vacation like it's all the same people then suddenly they're all in the same parts and you're running or wherever it is you know I'm just giving like a random example, but I think this idea is funny to criticize and look, I mean, to look at critically too and kind of yeah. make fun of because it, it is kind of so absurd and we're seeing that now for real. Yeah, and especially, you know, it's, it's a lot of the book play, takes place in 2015. And I mean, right now we're talking to each other over Zoom, which has become the right. most normal thing in the world. But like five years ago, it just like, we just weren't quite, I mean, I guess, I mean, there was FaceTime, I guess, but it just wasn't as much of like a daily part of life as it is now. And the relationship with the characters with technology and with cell phones, and they're kind of like so much of what happens takes place in person and people are running into each other. And it's like, you're, people aren't even really like having like that much text interaction, you know, and there's like times when someone's phone is dead and it almost feels like it could yeah, be- Yeah, you're like, your phone was dead. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> exactly, and it like almost feels like it could have been like 30 years ago or earlier. And it's like so much of, of the interpersonal stuff is really about being in the same place, even if it's all over. Even the thing we said, we're not gonna give away, the right. like, twist is about being in the same place. Right, literally. Right. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. So that actually brings me to my next question, which is, you know, as you're reading this, there are little clues dropped in about, I'll say this way, the ways in which the characters are intertwined in certain right. points that are not clear in, immediately. And there are little um, breadcrumbs dropped along the way. And so from the perspective as a writer, and as you're writing this, and as you're going through the changes and edits, how do you put yourself in the mindset of the reader who doesn't know all the information of this world that you've created? Honestly, I have to say, I'm really grateful that I had, you know, um, like friends who read it and offered advice and in my amazing editor. And 
um, I worked on, on it with Chris Krause as well um, as my editor and um, these people who could like sort of step back from it because I, I can't really fully take credit for that because I think at a certain point I got so much in it, I needed an editor or help to for, for to find my way out. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Like it's not- You can't see the forest for the trees. Yeah, it's not like I had some meticulously, you know, like the book took, was a, it's not that long. It took a long time to write. So it's not like I plotted out, like I can take credit for plotting out this long, careful timeline. You know, it kind of like distilled itself and yeah. then distilled itself. And then a lot of my final process is sort of intuitive. Like, you know, you know the feeling you're, you, you get it too. I mean, it's also kind of the ritual of writing and also just creating something you like know when you know mm -hmm. like that stupid expression but it's kind of true like you've handed we've all handed in something and known it wasn't ready and then you know when something just kind of at least I do I feel like I kind of feel it you know yeah yeah and that just kind of had to happen and it, it wasn't you know I'm so grateful that you see it that way a lot of people find the beginning very confusing which I think it is um you just kind of have to stick with it um which is also kind of like anything you know, it's all these jumbled at the beginning and then you find your way out of the weeds. So I kind of like that in a way, you kind of get lost, um, but yeah. Because well, it's like, it's not, I mean, it's not literally a mystery, but it feels in certain ways like a mystery. Like as the reader is going through it, you're trying to gather yes. information in a way that is kind of similar to when you're when you're reading a mystery. And, and I think what's so, so much of it is about interpersonal relationships and the friendship that is really at the heart of it um, is so powerful and it's so, um, it feels very real. It feels very much I'm like- so the, But it feels very much like like something inspired. I mean, I don't wanna like <laughs> you to divulge anything that you don't want, but it feels like the kind of relationship that is inspired from like two women who really are deeply close. And I'm curious if it, like there is, without, you know, saying who it no, is, no, but no, like, is there someone in your life that is the Gretchen? Are you the Gretchen? Like who, what's that? It's funny that you say that because people like ask that or people like, or like, is that me? You know, it's like, there's, <laughs> there's like, like, um, uh, but it's literally, it's not one person exclusively. I mean, I have to say from the get-go, like I have trouble with female friendships. They're complicated. Like I don't claim to know how to navigate them or that I'm great at them. I just try, you know, like I'm still learning how to be there in the ways I need to be there. And I fuck up sometimes and I, you know, I'm still trying to figure that out, especially now amidst these moments of like distance and technology and depression. Like I don't really know how you show up for someone, so to speak. It's not like Gretchen could literally show up. She got right. on a plane. <laughs> right, right. Like, this is not what we live anymore. Like, you know, and the resources, of course, were very different that Gretchen had and like sort of extraordinary. Everything is sort of hyperbolic, but um, yeah, I don't, I mean, again, I don't know that I can, it's not one person in my life. It's like, I'm really sensitive, I think, to observing and watching and also things that have happened to me and so it's like sort of an amalgamation of many different sort of things but what's felt really real about it and I think that people respond to is that it's like it's almost like they don't like each other sometimes like that's a very real thing in female friendship like you know it's hard to explain like it's very different well it's like sisterhood yeah and it's different yeah. I, I mean again I don't want to make it a gendered thing but like 
you know, to some degree, I feel like men often have, at least in my experience, I've seen are more likely to sort of have friends from childhood that are their friends just because of a timeline or because it's a, it almost feels less complicated. Again, not to like plot it in, I mean, it's different across the board, but for me, I think some of my best friends are people I've met that have nothing to do with the timeline, you know? And I think that's a thing that's maybe unique to the different stages of life or sort of the complications. But like, you know, I have friends I met a year ago who are my best friends who I feel much closer to than the people that I don't, you know what I mean? I think- Well, it's almost like, because there's, you know, there are so many rom romantic relationships that are explored in this story and familial relationships, at least one. Um, yes. And <laughs> then there's this, um, you know, friendship that is um, not romantic, but the they it does feel like they're in love in this way. And it's like, that's kind of what you're describing. When you meet a new best friend, it is like falling in love. And it's like your partner, it's not like a reflection on like how long you've been together or not. Like when you're with someone, you're with them. And I think there's something about that that is like, there's just something under the surface that feels like it's like, you know, there's there's just an intensity to it that is very, um, it's not a reflection of how long you've known each other or been together. It's just that it's that deep connection. And it's funny that you say, I really like the way you put it because in a way you just illuminated something for me that I couldn't quite, I've never really put into words, but it is kind of like their relation, their friendship is romantic. It is family. Yes. I mean, I get, I'm very confused by boundaries in life, like all of that, like, again, maybe it's the way I grew up, like it confuses me, like everything bleeds into each other. And I think that's really real in this book. It's almost like, you know, like, if, is your relationship this? Because I mean, all the relationships in the book are like that, for unfortunately or fortunately, do you know what I mean? Like, there's no like, this person was with this person, like, they're all really, you know, sort of like, I don't know, like amoebic and like constantly shifting and not necessarily yeah. ending and showing up again when you don't think they will. And I mean, there's yes. something really real about that. That's really also really reassuring to me because I don't, you know, I, I don't know. And also this idea that you can sort of like, even someone can die and like the things sort of come back around, you yes. know, is like, Yes, and, and also that's, breakups are such a theme that it's almost like the anti-breakup narrative, you know? Totally, and I think talking about, I mean, such a th there's such a theme of loss, and I think even though our, in certain ways our books are so, so, so different, the but they're idea, really similar, they're really similar in this parallel that's of like, you know, parental, losing a parent at a young age, is, and you know, my book is nonfiction, this is a novel, it's a totally different genre but these themes about losing a parent when you're young and trying to find some part of them again and the ways in which without resorting to the supernatural mm -hmm. without resorting to the super rational opposed yeah. to supernatural <laughs> um, the antithesis arguably um you know uh without resorting to something that could be sort of perceived as like woo woo it's like the ways in which you do find a new connection to somebody, even if they're not here anymore. And I think that that's such a powerful theme. And then, you know, just the, the through line of, of, of loss in the sense of like, not necessarily mortality, but just parting ways and what that means, it's all wrapped up together um, in a way that's really, it's funny because it seems like that topic would, 
you know, it'd be kind of like a morose book, but right. it's so um, fast and you're, it's so exciting and you're so with the characters in these ways that really does make you relive that. I mean, at least, you know, like that period that for, for me was many years ago, but like when you are like sort of just, you know, trying to clarify what people in your life, especially people in romantic relationships mean to you and where they reappear and disappear. And when you think you're going to see them again and when you're not, and like that sort of sitting on that sort of razor's edge of anticipation, it's so came to life in this book. Can you talk a That's, little bit about that kind of feeling? Oh my God. Well, there's two things I want. I want to not forget to talk about something in relation to your book, because I actually did think of you when writing one scene oh. and I want to talk about that. Um, in the church. Yes. The I knew yes, it. You know, yes. I knew it when I read it. I knew it when I read it. Oh my goodness. That makes me so fact, happy. We've both talked about being raised by Gnostic parents to some, or we'll get into this, but um, yeah. uh, so like I did, that's so funny. I love that. I just got the chills. Um, yes. But, oh, when you said that, me too. <laughs> I think of you with that scene, but I want to come back to that. But because you mentioned the thing about, um, I think that that also is really potent to me um, having been, and I think this, you would relate to this, if I can speak about us, we've both been in sort of long-term relationships. Yes. yes. You quickly forget the, and you almost take for granted this idea that people come and go because, right. you know, so, and a lot of the book was about the uncanny in the sense too, of like desire being antithetical to long-term relationships, that the erotic is like the unexpected. It's those like, and how do we integrate that with these sort of like, you know, norms of our the way our society couples us up or pairs us up I mean I don't have the answers again it's questions of things that are beyond my you know scope but I can investigate them you know and I think that to me I think that was also exciting in a really like sort of masochistic way like <laughs> oh remember, remember when you didn't know who was like it's like you know oh your husband's not going to be home when you get you know like remember when I mean, I still think about like when my husband and I were first getting together. Yeah, like, is he going to call? And you're like, is he going to call? Like looking at the phone, which just to really fully date myself was a T-Mobile sidekick. Um, Like, and just being like, okay, am I going to send this text message? Okay, I'm just going to send it. I'm just going to send it. And it's just sitting there looking at it. And then it's like a text message. Oh no, it's just my friend. Like, oh no. And just like that anticipation of like, and it's like, I guess it's just something you have to sort of harness into a relationship of many years and tap into that part of yourself when you look at the other person and think like this, you know, the foundation, you know, even after like, whatever, however many conflicts about like taking out the recycling and whatever else underneath all of that sediment, there is some spark that started this and just coming back to that and remembering to come back to that and remembering that feeling of like, oh my God, he's here, you know, when you walk into the bar. Well, it's funny because a pivotal thing in my relationship was like a run-in actually, um, which is, oh wait, sorry, I'm just, I have to decline a call. Sorry, sorry. Are you you there? Okay. Yeah, I'm here, Um, I'm here. um, A moment uh, was a run-in actually in the street, which is really funny. <gasps> Call it like a, and I do think of it in like a supernatural way because I did something told me to take a different route than I was normally took that day. 
and this is after we had like been dating but not really and I bumped into him um so like best feeling I mean and there's something about that and you mentioned to the run-ins in the book being so um I don't know there's something about that too that I feel like it's interesting, you, you're making me see a lot. This is a great conversation because I'm also sort of starting to see things and, and able to articulate them in different ways. Um, not only is the book about, you know, running around, but it is about run-ins. And that's something we've missed these past little while yes. during the pandemic. Like, it's like, you're not, I mean, you don't really run into each other on Instagram. Like you don't really <laughs> have the like, do you know what I mean? I'm trying to think about what, there's no example of like, that same sort of thing where it's a combination of fate or whatever you want to call it in your own, you know, way of believing in the world and like timing and luck and, you know, like that, that's yeah. sort of gone into, which I think is something that's not talked about enough in terms of dating and even other relationships during this past six months. It's like, it changes things. Like yeah. things aren't brought to you anymore. You have to bring everything you know, for the good or bad, maybe it has, everything has to be more pointed and more, um, intentional. Yeah. It's like, there's a weird thing about being in your little pods of your house is that like, it's, it's hard for things to happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just like, even, I mean, even outside of romantic relationships, all the things that sort of happen in the book that are you know, that happened by chance or happened because, oh, you know, someone that are about a profession, positive or negative, but that are about a pro- your professional life and like the ways in which, you know, you don't just, oh, get to start talking to somebody at a dinner and, oh, you have that, oh, I do this, blah, 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 and you spark some idea, you know, all of that stuff is also not, it doesn't just innately happen. And this book is such a wonderful way to like travel back to that world where it feels like possibilities are endless um you know and so okay wait we have to talk about the the church and the mm-hmm. and the the this this right she, she the main character is explicitly says that her mother was an atheist but she yes. has this deep this is and i relate to this so much as a secular person there is also this ritual of visiting religious sites and like there's the light and the candle and the idea that we can still sort of connect to ritual and architecture and the art of theism without buying into the theology it was so interesting for her it's somewhat sexual too like she's always back to something do you know what i mean whether you know depending whether it violates other codes of morality or whatever she's always trying to feel something you know that's kind of like a like a yeah you know about the um but also just to quickly go back I know I'm being so I'm coming from a really sort of like privileged standpoint to say oh nothing you know happens there's been a lot of things happening in the world during this time but I just meant in terms of plot line do you know what yeah, I mean yeah. and comparison from just to clarify that but um no, no, no. I, I think it's I, for sure. Of course, there are things happening, but in terms of the spontaneity yeah. of like, I mean, maybe there are places where people are having a night out, but in terms yeah, of exactly, like- Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and it was like a series of things that, you know, unfortunate things too that happened that led to us all being in this circumstance, you know? So it's just interesting to think about the different, um, you know, just the different ideas of spontaneity and happenstance and, um, but wait, what were you saying about the, um, about, oh, the rituals. Okay, and yes. yeah, I really do want to get into that because that is actually 
a really important part of the book. It's funny, you're not the first person either who, you know, made like, some people have called it the supernaturals, somewhat by accident, but also because it's like, you know, it's, it's super rational is a funny term. It's a term in game theory. It means a specific thing relating to the prisoner's dilemma, but it also people are reading it in whatever way they want to read it. Do you know what I mean? Also this idea of like, logic and relationships or logic and decision making does that exist like and again it exists a lot more if you think about it with the idea of intentionality when you can't have random run-ins right so right that also I wonder what that would change in terms of like belief in some sort of other or some sort of greater force when everything is now much more clearly based in like choice and action and do you know what I mean Totally. And I mean, there's still, I mean, of course, people still going outside of their homes and like, you know, especially if you live in somewhere like New York, where you do just cross paths with people in the street, um, if you're like walking your dog or anything, but just that idea that like, it's, we're all making decisions about where and how we go somewhere in such a different way. It, it is, it is just so different. And I think it will bring when, when the day comes, when people are, just moving more freely um, around, I think that there will be a kind of ecstatic joy every time you cross paths, maybe even not someone you are that crazy about, not like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Not like your crush, but just like an acquaintance where all of a sudden that will feel brand new again, Um, which, you know, some, you know, just will be interesting to see how we readjust when that day comes to the world that is kind of a little bit too though among like me and my friends even and like there's a renewed clarity of relationships and choices because of this pause yes to some degree um a lot of people are reevaluating their lives changing their lives you know like oh so many people just like are like okay we're just moving to South Carolina. I've never been there. I don't know. I'm just selling my apartment. We're going, you know, whatever it is, like there's yeah. just this, like, um, I think there is a sense of like, if you're going to like make it, if you've been, if a big decision has been nagging at you for a long time, this seems like people are, this is the, the thing that just pushes it to the, to going from a dream to a reality. Right. Or even a nightmare, you know, like the yeah. other way around. But I think in the book, what's interesting is she's so, because of the whirlwinds of all of this stuff, and I think a lot of us experienced this, like, and again, it was from like a, a privileged point of view, is like, she never ha- she never has the chance to control anything or stop and think about anything. It's like, she has no agency a lot of the time and she's able to sort of glide around and float around and the people are brought to her because of the nature of the work or because of the nature of, um, the way the world is, or just, you know, I don't know. It was just a very different time in the book. Um, oh, wait, I, th- I, I think so too. I think, bef- yeah, okay. I think the the one other- um, We got to steer it towards the <laughs> Yes. The one other element that I really want to touch on that we haven't sort of touched on is like the Greek chorus, essentially. And like yes. this, this um, you know, sort of nameless group of women who the main character- interacts with who sort of um you know we have the main character's internal life and then we have how she's perceived and I'm just curious before we um 
draw this fascinating conversation um, to a close. I mean, I think it's fascinating. <laughs> uh, to a close, yeah, we could, we, we'll just call each other and continue. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, like a little bit about like bringing the ancient in, you know, we have these moments where we see her, right. we read her internal thoughts about um, art criticism. And then we have sort of the other extreme, these moments where we hear what other people think about her, sometimes baseless, sometimes maybe fair. Um, so real, right? Like, I yes. Mean, and that's like, I was talking to another friend this morning who, um, who's also a writer about this notion of gossip. I mean, which has been written about so many different ways, you know, that book Parallel Lives. And, you know, she also mentioned some extreme example that gossip sort of, gossip is a really telling thing in a society about a lot of things, even the shadow work of the gossip. Do you know what I mean? And I like that you mentioned the ancient aspect because yeah, the Greek chorus thing, you know, it's been done before, like it's not a radical thing, but I think that's also why it's interesting because it's sort of classical in this sense mm -hmm. and you know, very interested obviously in all those kinds of things. and. In a way, it also brings up ideas of mythologies, which they do talk about as well, which, you know, Greek mythology was a huge influence. And you and I have spoken about this before. Yes, yes. Uh, childhood, um, which is interesting being brought up by an ape, you know what I mean? It's just interesting how that then sort of explains circumstances or it allows you to categorize things. So the Greek, you know, chorus element plays out on multiple different levels. And basically it's also just really funny. And yeah. You know, we've all been there and heard that and, you know, said that or been on either yeah. side of it. So. And it's just so fascinating because, I mean, actually, it makes me think of in Sapiens, like when he talks about like, it's actually a something that's kind of crucial to keeping a society together. It's like that yeah. release valve of some of those tensions and resentments and, well, and jealousies. Like storytelling and gossip yes. are essential to societies and yeah. And, and, and it's just so fascinating because, um, you know, talking about the way that she, you know, her, her relationships and it's like her inability to befriend this group of women um, is just like that sort of gives us, whether they're right or wrong about any particular thing about her, just gives us certain insight into who she it's is. It's funny that you say that because it's a good wrap up point. I actually think of this book, you know, the violence that um, the Gerard, the, I'm gonna botch the title right now, but the idea of the scapegoat in sort of a tradition of society as the person, you know, and that is what Mathilde represents. You know, it's like a profane sort of, you know, there are all these other ideas that seem sort of, it seems so light and airy and girly, but it's like a very dark kind of thing that yeah. she, you know, everything's blamed on her, everything is, you know, and I think that's almost a good point to end because it comes back to the idea of these rituals, these ancient, you know, it's it's like, yeah, it's 2015, but it's also very, you know, I mean, I guess you're just very flawed and very human. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I mean, it's about the oldest, oldest thing that our stories are about, which is navigating relationships and, and passion and the, yeah. that thrill of being alive. Yeah, and that's perfect <laughs> words. Perfect words, um, y'all. It's so it's such a treat to have y'all join us for this conversation. I missed the days when we could have done this in the store. Um, uh, but thank you both so much, Stephanie Lakava. The book is the Super Rationals. You can come into the store at Skylight and get your copy. You can order it online. And Sasha Sagan joining us from Boston. We also are able to get her book for small creatures such as we. 
Um, thank you both so much for joining us and yeah, Godspeed with the rest of the, the release. Thank you so much Thanks. for having us. Thanks so much. What a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon.